welcome to Unbroken. I'm Alexandra Amor. I'm an author, a coach, and a lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life and the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including letting go of unwanted habits. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary Freedom From Overeating and Other Habits video series, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. And now, here's the show. Tanya Alfersi, welcome to Unbroken. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here. So why don't we start? Just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be interested in the inside out understanding. Yes. So I am originally from the UK. I live in Israel. I've lived here for almost 30 years. I'm in my mid 50s, which is significant uh, considering what I do for a living. <laughs> which is supporting women through midlife change, through perimenopause and menopause, helping them have a much lighter experience of this fascinating time. Um, so I am a coach, an author, a speaker, educator, trying to bust through the myths of our women's health and also the misunderstanding that we have around our emotional, spiritual health, our mental health as well. So I've been around uh, the three principles since 2015 and was sucked into them after a very quick <laughs> uh, experience of an insight. I was a lucky one that quite soon after I discovered the principles, I had a major life-changing insight just around the nature of thought. And at the time, I was experiencing a lot of, of perimenopause symptoms, physical, emotional, night sweats, two weeks of PMS, um, lots of migraines, skin problems, a bit of hair loss, all kinds of things just to make your life joyful. <laughs> and um, I had this insight around thought and within days, all my symptoms cleared up. And that made me... Uh, see that there was something very interesting in this inside out understanding and since then I've been exploring it more and more and sharing it um, in the context of women's health so yes mm, lovely yeah I love that story um it's such an interesting one because it, it just happened so quickly for you and I often not often occasionally mention that as an example of how we just never know when an insight is going to strike Yes. And yes. how yeah. How it'll yes. impact us. Yes. I was in the bathroom. I wasn't anywhere special. I wasn't on the beach <laughs> or anything. So <laughs> so anyone who has those ideas that we need to be under the right moon or something like that, <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't my <laughs> yeah. experience of it. But yes, I mean I would the the truth is I'd read certain um people I think that have a similar understanding, like Eckhart Tolle and Michael A. Singer. And I was impacted by this whole nature of uh, the observer uh, of your thoughts. So I'd already seen something around that, but that hadn't changed anything in how I felt about my health or I was experiencing my health or other things in my life. And then just really 
getting to know the principles, that was sort of the major, the major change point for me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. And then, so let's maybe kind of start at a foundational level. So your website is called The Wiser Woman. Yes. And tell us why you chose that name and, and who that is. Yes, wonderful. It's not me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's in me and she's in right. you. <laughs> um, but it's not only me. Um, yes, when I was getting to understand more about the principles and the concept of mind, I felt that that term was a bit misleading because it makes us think of what's going on going on up here in our head. And I was seeing the innate intelligence throughout the body. And I was trying to find a way to describe that innate intelligence. And the best thing that that came up for me was the wiser woman, because it really felt like there was me with my little mind and my little thoughts um, trying to run the show. And then there was something much deeper and wiser and intelligent within me that I could actually relax into it when I remembered. Um, And that whole concept of a guided self or a guided intelligence or God, some people I'm sure would would rather call it, or a divine intelligence, however we want to call it, whatever feels best for us. I just landed on that term of the wiser woman because it just felt like that described this thing that already knew how to get me through midlife change. It had known how to get me through every single stage of my life from a baby to where I am now and, you know, being a mother as well. And, and and it just knew. And I didn't have to run the show. I didn't have to jump in and tell my body what to do at each stage and neither did any doctor. So there was this wiser woman always running through me and it's always running through every woman. And there's a wiser intelligence running through every person. We just, in our very modern technological society (laughs) don't give it much presence or thought and um, so often we think oh there's you know a lot for me to do in order for my health to be good in order for me to experience well-being when actually the body really really knows what to do and when it should for example express feelings and symptoms that will help bring us back into our state of balance and well-being so mm-hmm. lucky us yes yeah so good yeah <laughs> lucky us exactly um and so when it comes to menopause then and perimenopause why do you think women are or what are they struggling with these days that you see yeah i think in the west we live our lives at a very fast pace and with a lot of expectations, and we are taught to analyze every step of the way. And especially now, I'm not knocking advancements created through feminism, but especially now we have more choices and more to think about, it seems, and more expectations than we used to have for example, a few generations ago. And this creates a lot of thought in our head um, that is experienced throughout the body as stress. And we don't learn that we can have a different experience of all these circumstances that 
we're facing, whether it be on the career side, on the family side, aging parents, teenage kids, um, the world situation, the politicians, you know, we can take that all on and think, oh, that's all on me to sort out and all on me to fix. And if I want to have a happier time, then I need to be thinking about that all the time. And it all seems to come to a head at midlife, maybe because we're we're a bit sandwiched, many of us, and maybe because we're sort of at this point where we look back and say, where have we come and where should we be? <laughs> and, you know, where are we going? It seems to be this sort of crossroads. But um, I also think it's because the body itself is creating the conditions to heal. And these days I really have um, a number of gentle terms to call menopause or midlife change. And, and one of them is this journey of healing, because I really think that even if we carry perceived trauma from the past, we come into midlife and the body starts saying, I'm not going to let you carry that on much further. And so we're going to have a resolution and I'm going to make your life a little bit miserable. Not because I want to make your life miserable, but you need to wake up. And if I just do it gently, you're not going to wake up because you're just going to take the odd, uh, you know, ibuprofen or whatever to sort of calm it down. But the body's going to start talking to us because it wants to bring us into this um, path that's going to lead us to good health and protect us as we age. So women are experiencing a number of symptoms. I mean, I think these days they have sort of like 30 something symptoms that they categorized as perimenopause or menopause symptoms. And it's so peculiar in the narrative, the dominant narrative, that this is all caused by women's hormones, all those symptoms, how peculiar. But the way that I see it is that we're in the sensitive time. So women who have had in the past sensitive skin, like I had when I was a teenager, I had it when I was pregnant, um, uh, issues came up very quickly. So lo and behold, I came to midlife, I was experiencing all kinds of eczema and, and things like that. Women who've had problems with their stomach, IBS or something similar, that m will often come out again uh, midlife. Um, women who have a tendency for migraines or depression or something like that, that they've experienced in the past, this will, you know, come to the surface, not because the body's trying to punish us, but the body is sensitive. And if something is out of balance, that's the way it expresses itself. And so women can be experiencing so many different symptoms that seem very, very complicated. But luckily, the cure or the healing journey is so simple. It all comes back down to the balance of the natural path that that that's really it. So it's listening to what does my body actually want me to know at this time, um, which is one of the favorite questions that I like to ask clients because it's so, and we normally know even if we don't want to admit it. But you know what does your what is your body trying to tell you? And so it could be if that career isn't you know lighting you up, it might be time to do something else or have a different experience of where you are or if that relationship isn't healthy then it may be time to try and nourish that or take a decision around that or if um if you're still carrying that perceived trauma from your 20s or whenever it was now is the time that we're going to resolve that and let it go so that we don't have to carry 
all that stress, wherever it comes from, in into our older age as we move forward. So yes, and asterisk, it's coming from our thoughts about whatever's happening, but <laughs> our thoughts about the different categories. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. And and when you ask women to ask their bodies, I'm curious about that. Do you is there a way that they can do that? How do you point them toward understanding what their bodies are trying to say? Right. Um, I think that when we ask ourselves that question, we just know the answer. And it comes in very, it's quite obvious and it's quite quiet. It doesn't come in like the marching band saying, it's your mother or something <laughs> like that right but it's it's your relationship with your mother no it doesn't it doesn't come in like that but we just know and often it's a thing that we don't want to um say that that's the thing that maybe needs attention or needs nourishing or or something like that but when we're in a quiet place then it it comes through I think that, you know, it just it just does. Mm-hmm. And some women say, I don't know. I don't know what my body's trying to tell me. I don't know what my body's trying to tell me. And I say, okay, well, when you're in a quiet place, and maybe for somebody that will be when they're on the wall, on a walk or in the shower or having a swim or wherever it is, it may just come to mind. But I think normally the way guidance works is that there is an answer. We're not always prepared to listen to it. Mm, yeah yeah oh I love that um and I kind of wanted to ask a follow-up question about what I asked earlier about what women are struggling with now and it's something I've been I've known you for a while and I've been curious about and where do you think this idea came from that menopause and perimenopause are sort of a problem um, when we don't think about puberty or pregnancy like that Right. Yeah. I think looking over the history, well, women's health wasn't really much interest for uh, medicine, philosophers, however you want to look at it. But there was certainly a thing about why are women still around (laughs) when they're no longer fertile? What are they doing? Right. Mm. This crazy... Um, idea and women themselves have sort of taken on these beliefs in society as well especially in the last hundred years because it's so in our face about you know it's downhill from now on and what is our purpose and and are we becoming invisible and etc etc whereas in traditional societies there was much more respect for elders um, and the role that they played. In modern society, scientists have to think, well, what is this, you know, woman who's not fertile anymore? What's her purpose exactly? Whereas any woman, for example, who's had young kids and has seen an older woman walk through the door who doesn't have a kid attached to her would know that, oh, this woman has a really good role to play, actually. <laughs> but Scientists have to look at orca whales to understand that 
um, that a postmenopausal woman may indeed have a purpose because in orca whales, they discovered that the pods that were led by postmenopausal females actually thrived more than the pods that weren't. Mm-hmm. And it's because there's no competition, it seems, in the time of the postmenopausal female between her own offspring and her grand whale children. <laughs> you would say that. Um, so she's available to. Um, deal with it seems conflict resolution and finding whether where there's food available for the pod um etc cetera, etc cetera, and use all her wisdom and she's not busy with her own offspring so um so scientists had to look at orcas in order to realize oh maybe there is a kind of role for an older wiser woman <laughs> in society mm. so that's um that's the first thing that we sort of have in um you know, in our mind. And then on top of that came this idea of, oh, it's a sort of a a relationship between hormones that were discovered, let's say, sort of just around 100 years ago, and and, um, women's problems, let's say. And so they created this uh, idea of correlation between, oh, if you're losing your hormones, you must need your hormones. So there's an understanding that pregnancy, there's sort of a hormonal change. It makes a woman sensitive. We give, we give a lot more time to a pregnant woman in terms of if she's experiencing symptoms. Oh, perhaps you should slow down. Here, take two weeks, leave off work. How are you eating? Are you resting? How is your sleep, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas in the sensitive time of midlife change, it's like, well, you just need to fix your hormones because, well, you're, you used to have that level of hormone and, you know, and, and now you have that level, which is that of a pre-adolescent girl who, by the way, doesn't have the symptoms that we attribute to low estrogen or something like that. <laughs> but science has got it worked out that it must be that. Um, and, they, and it's basically just a theory that they pulled out of wherever they pulled it out of. And, and so then women then see themselves as deficient. Um, and this, especially now, uh, for listeners perhaps in the UK, uh, they will be seeing this more and more because for some reason in the UK, defining menopause as a hormone deficiency has come back in, in vogue. And this was something that was really pushed out in the 1960s, certainly in North America, but now, uh, and it's kind of been dropped and it's seen more as a, a part of a, the woman's life cycle. Whereas in the UK, this idea of Oh, you're hormonally deficient has has resurfaced, and yeah, that's not helpful. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and it just strikes me that it's so simple to see that the body is so intelligent and knows what it's doing, and at puberty, it it knows what it's doing and and how to do things, and then same at pregnancy. So why would it be different? at at midlife it, that just doesn't add up and so i love that you explained a little bit about where these ideas have come from that's lovely yeah. thank you my pleasure yeah it's just all myth yes <laughs> yes <laughs> and when we think about it in the really logical way it 
Like it doesn't make any sense. Well, how does my body know how to do all that? And then it comes to midlife. And of course, I should just mention there is this idea of, oh, because women never used to live beyond menopause. And I talk about that um, in my blog or in my book. And, and I show references that we can find in the Bible from the second century, from the 12th century. And there are other references as well that completely debunk that myth because um, women have always been around since menopause. But the charts that we're familiar with of life, average life expectancy increasing over the ages uh, look like that because once child mortality used to be really high and that would bring down the average age of life expectancy. Mm, So it wasn't women were getting to midlife and just dropping off. No, they weren't. And interestingly, it's never used against men. It's just used against women. Yes. <laughs> and you've got those symptoms because you never used to live that long. And that's why we need to supplement your hormones because your body didn't know because it wasn't planning to live this long. And it's absolute nonsense. I'm happy to report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so great. Speaking of orcas, there were some in the inlet uh, here where I live yesterday, which is oh. kind of nice. Yeah. Oh, that is nice. Yeah, nice. yeah. They show up every once in a while. So let's talk about how our thinking affects our bodies. So you have a great story in your book, which is there behind you for people who are watching on YouTube um, about, you know, experiencing menopause symptoms or perimenopause and then going to Thailand and having them fall away. So tell us a bit about that. Yes, I've been experiencing all these symptoms. And first of all, it took me a little while to understand that I was in perimenopause because no one had told me. Mm. I was 43. I'd started my symptoms. I just was trying to deal with them individually. And then I heard a webinar and realized there was this thing called perimenopause, realized menopause didn't happen overnight. I don't know why I thought it did, <laughs> but I thought it did and it happened at 51 overnight. Um, and then I realized that I was having these symptoms, but I was still, I was on a sort of natural path, oriented path, but I was trying to deal with them very much from the outside in. I was running to acupuncture and taking herbs and bath remedies and other things, doing other things. And I was getting some relief. It was sort of taking the volume down a little bit. So it made life a little bit easier, but I really never felt that I was healed. And, and it was always sort of like oh let me make sure I've got my acupuncture appointment in and when am I going you know to take this and is there another potion and is there something that's better and I was always on that sort of um wheel of things and and then I went um a holiday with my family to Thailand and it was just this glorious holiday and I've been really looking forward to going back to Thailand because I'd been there in my 20s and <laughs> it'd been so lovely and and I realized that while I was on holiday, I won. I was really forgetting to take my potion, my uh, remedies, and you know, use my potions. And I wasn't getting regular acupuncture, and my symptoms had just disappeared. And I thought that that was interesting. And um, I wondered about that. I wondered, well, what is it about holidays? And we can imagine, well, holidays. Oh yeah, you have a lovely time, but. There's something in that. Oh, you're having a lovely time. You're not thinking about the things that you normally think about. And so you're having a lighter experience of life and your body just is able to relax into that and doesn't um, display symptoms. So um, when I came back, I thought, well, that's interesting. So how can I bring that holiday experience back into my regular life? And I realized that I really shouldn't. Well, for me, this was my journey that I really didn't need to run to all of these treatments and 
use all these potions and remedies, etc. And perhaps I could just be where I was and see what happened and have a different relationship with my symptoms because they were obviously telling me something about where I was in life and my state of mind. I didn't really see it as my state of mind, but I knew that there was something that was off in my regular life when I was thinking about the regular things. And that didn't happen when I was in Thailand. And so my symptoms actually did come back, but I had a different experience of them just because I wasn't trying to fix them and thus fix me. And I was aware that perhaps they were telling me something and perhaps they could guide me. And I see now that they were gifts, but I know that when we're experiencing all the symptoms, it doesn't feel like a gift, but they actually are. They're these divine gifts, they're these divine guides that show us, you know, how far off we are from balance. And, and so the, although the symptoms returned, like I said, I had, I was able to have a different experience of them. And I think then when I discovered, when I came across the three principles, I was in a different mind, really. I was sort of more open to see something new. And I wasn't hating on my body, let's say. And I wasn't, you know, blaming it and dis- disappointed by it. And th- I wasn't thinking that it betrayed me or anything that I had thought when I was feeling, you know, a little bit crazy about my symptoms. And so it all just was able to fit into place. And I was able to see, oh, my body's intelligent. And and then I was able to see this this um, insight about thought, which was which was only and simply, I don't have to take my thinking so seriously, and I think I will have a nicer time in life if I don't. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was it. And I often say to women, I wish I could sort of copy and paste it for you, but it's so simple, and yet I felt it on such a profound level that it was such a huge change within days mm-hmm. in terms of my symptoms. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love hearing you say that because it, you know, I tend to talk mostly about um, unwanted habits, specifically overeating. And it took me quite a while to figure out exactly what you've just said is that there is that the things that we're experiencing in the case of an unwanted habit, it would be a craving um, the drive to overeat, as I call it. And that is actually intelligence, you know, it's feedback, it's, it's trying to put us, it's trying to help us to see who we really are. And I love that there's this parallel with perimenopause and menopause symptoms, it's the same thing that's going on, it's the same intelligence, just trying to guide us. Yeah, yeah, I think, because in Western society, again, we have this sort of detachment from the body. And I remember speaking to a woman who's, who said, I didn't really realize I had a body until I was in my 40s. And it, it's, it, can, you know, it can be true because we can live so detached from the body and we just think, you know, everything is just from the, is from the outside. I need to feed it or I need to get to the gym or I need to do something, you know, something on the outside mm-hmm. rather than seeing it for what it is, which is such an intelligent energy that enables us to live this life on this planet. Um, And we thus so easily fall into that trap of, oh, if it's a symptom, 
you know, however, whatever kind of symptom it is, as you're describing or as I'm describing, then it's a malfunction. And it's really difficult for the body to malfunction because all it ever wants for us is to bring us back into balance. All it ever displays is love. And then we come in with our little minds and say, oh, no, it's a malfunction. Oh, no, there must be something wrong. Oh, no, it's my hormones. Oh, no, I'm bad because I have this habit. Oh, And it's not. The, the body just expresses love. It does it in different ways. And with our minds, we don't see it often. And that's innocent on our part. Mm-hmm. But we do have a choice to see symptoms and understand them in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, beautifully said. That was great. Thank you. And and so why do you think then it can be controversial to talk about this intelligence about our bodies? Like you have particularly bumped into a lot of pushback in your work. Yeah, yeah. It's a kind of victim consciousness. And I talk about that in the book. But mm. it's, it is, it's because we've said, oh, it's not, it's not me the essence of me that could be causing this we say it must be something external and that's something that needs to be fixed externally so it could be if we're really experiencing unhappiness in our job then it's the job that needs to be fixed it can't possibly be anything to do with the way that we think about the job or the way that we think about the people in our workplace or or anything like that it doesn't needs to be that circumstance out there and and the hormone story fits in very nice into that I'm a victim to something going on that's not in my control. So when I've shared my perspective on midlife change and how hormones also have to be part of this intelligence, then I'm kind of pulling the rug from under the feet of some people they feel and then they feel like they're about to fall down and they're grabbing onto anything and they want to grab onto their hormones and keep that as the reason why they're suffering because if I'm saying to someone well you might want to look within and it might be something that we're choosing in our innocence to to do from misunderstanding not because we're trying to hurt ourselves or something like that but it's just misunderstanding then you know, that's a big shift from, oh, it's my hormones, I need to go to the right doctor, and the right doctor will give me the right medicine, and the right medicine will fix my hormones, and then I'm going to be happy. Um, You know, and women chase around, as I did for a number of years, you know, looking for the thing that's going to help them. And now there's so many things that, you know, are being (laughs) promised that can help, you know, even, you know, on the synthetic uh, drug side, and on the more natural uh, sort of bioidentical hormone side of things but I'm not saying I I never give advice on medicine or 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 even herbs or anything like that but it's an outside-in understanding and it's something about the victim consciousness that we're saying I'm a victim to my hormones or I'm a victim to these circumstances or I'm a victim to the trauma that I had and then we can't come back into the present and say well, what am I responsible for? And and am I responsible for my own health? And yes, I am. And, you know, that's a big shift. Mm. But it's so amazing when we can see that. And it's so empowering. And it's so long-term mm-hmm. gi- giving, you know, giving over the long term because 
I'm not, for example, stuck on anyone's supply chain of any kind of hormone or any kind of drug or any kind of doctor who's going to change his mind or science that's going to change or the side effects that are going to change. I'm just me and my body cooperating together to create health. And that's the easiest way in the end, you know, once we can orientate ourselves from sort of forget what we've were brought up with and and come back into the present and the responsibility of oh yes i'm creating my health and i can create well-being simply actually right right and that it's it's already there too yes yeah yeah oh i love that that's great um i'm gonna shift gears here now slightly and talk about your book um I've got my copy here for those people watching on YouTube. <laughs> and so <laughs> when it came to, to writing the book, uh, you have this great story about getting that done by doing nothing, yes. <laughs> essentially, for a while. <laughs> so could you share that with us? Because I just love it so much. Yeah. Um, so I had been thinking of this book for five years about and I had started it and stopped it. And I already had an understanding of, I really don't need to push this. There's a reason why I've stopped and it will come when it comes. And I wasn't really thinking about it. And I, these days I don't make plans over the year and say, okay, this year I need to achieve X, Y, and Z. So it wasn't in, it, in any plan, um, but it was just very much on the back burner. And, and then over the summer, I'd been playing, well, a little bit before the summer, I'd been playing with my eyesight and being interested about how I could improve my eyesight. And I went to a workshop and I managed to come down by one number and I was wearing multifocal glasses and I went off multifocal glasses and um, I'm a plus, I was sort of plus four and a half. And, um, and then I came back from the workshop and I was doing these exercises that I had learned at the workshop and I could see that they were helpful but to me they felt like a chore and so I thought well where can I go for expansive views which is really important because that's what we lack so often in modern life and I realized oh I could go to the beach because I do live in a town by the beach and I do love the beach um and so I started going in the summer by myself in the morning and it felt very naughty and every time I went I'm like could I really go to the beach by myself and sometimes I would see people on the way are you where are you going to the beach by yourself <laughs> by yourself are you not meeting anyone no by myself I'm going to the beach by myself at my age and I managed to do that about four times a week um over a few months in the summer but very quickly Within a few days, I realized that the beach was very, very good for my eyesight and I could see details on the beach. I could take a book and read it on the beach. And so that was just a joy that I would just go to the beach and really do nothing. And my eyesight was was improving. Um, and then a few weeks in, I thought, well, I wonder what else will come out on the beach. And lo and behold, the um, the chapters of the book came and it came in an insight and um well I'll share I haven't shared it I haven't shared on a podcast before it came on an insight um and I was just lying on the beach and I heard well look to the bible and I'm not 
I'm not religious, but I thought, okay, the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then I came home, and because I speak um, Hebrew, so I I know the the um, the names of the books in the Bible in Hebrew, and I know them in English, and it's not exactly a, a direct translation, and sometimes the English sort of refers to uh, more things in the in the books themselves, and then there's the Hebrew. But anyway. I looked at the books and I was able to find the chapter titles in the books between the Hebrew and the English and the content of the of the book. So I thought, oh, that's very obvious. Like it's very obvious. And I and so I could have ignored that. Oh, look at the Bible. I'm not what's wrong with me and the Bible. But I thought, okay, that's interesting that that came through. So I did that. And um and so the chapter titles um were there and then it was just a matter of filling in um the the text and it just came so easily um I just was going to the beach coming home writing for a few hours and and that's the way that it happened just to say writing and editing a book is not great for your eyesight (laughs) afterwards but I still have managed to half my prescription so um that's that's good um but yes that's how it came and it and so people say, oh, I need to go to the beach then if I want to write my book. And it doesn't work like that because that was my inspiration. And I love the beach and I was having such a nourishing time there. And it just allowed the book to come through me, I think. Mm-hmm. And again, I was just listening in and I didn't. I didn't at any time think, oh, my God, I must write that book again. And, oh, my God, I must go back to the third of the book that I had already written. No, I just left that because I knew, oh, look, something new is being delivered here, as it were, in terms of the chapters. And, um, yes, that's how I that's how I um, got the book published in quite a quick time. <laughs> yes, you really did. And it was so interesting to watch because, yeah, there was this period of just quiet and reflection when you were going to the beach and it it, yeah it could have looked like oh you know in our culture we have this uh, I don't know if it's an obsession with doing you know doing so much and you you were just being quiet and then suddenly the book came about and as you say yeah that's not a prescription for if you go to the beach you'll be able to write a book it's it's pointing to your wiser woman that you were listening to the intelligence that's within you and that's within all of us yeah yeah I was just like you said I was just following guidance that I heard and I was following bliss I mean I was just having such a nice time going to the beach and how amazing that that's what happens when we just follow that little guidance, follow our bliss, have a lovely time, mm-hmm. feel nourished. You know, miracles can happen. It really felt like that. Yeah. Yeah. We should say the the book is called The Wiser Woman's Guide to Perimenopause and Menopause. And I'll put a link uh, in the show notes for the episode as well. So yeah. if people are interested, they can go and find that. So we're just about to wrap up here. And I wanted to ask, is there anything else you'd like to share that we haven't touched on? Um, I think I always like to share with women that it's the journey of healing um, through midlife 
is really part of the design, I think. And although we come and we think there must be something complicated to do, it's so much simpler when we can just relax into the design of it all, into the wisdom of it all, and let that take us on the journey and let the body lead because it's so much more intelligent than us coming in with all our thinking about what midlife change should be and what menopause should be, et cetera, et cetera. And it's it's a shift. It's a shift to really trust the body, to really say, even if you're experiencing a symptom, that's not something bad. That's not malfunction. But it's just the body doing what it needs to do in that moment, either to overcome some kind of condition that we've created or to wake us up to the fact that we're not in balance. And and once we develop this new relationship with the body, with this intelligence, with the divine, however we want to look at it, it just becomes so easy, the journey of healing. And like I said, it really is part of the design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Thank you. So where can we find out more about you and your work, Tanya? Yeah, so the easiest place is thewiserwoman.com thewiserwoman.com and uh, there you can there's loads of resources on my blog pod, other podcasts not to compete with this one <laughs> but uh, videos and blog posts and that will give you a, a really good taster for what I'm what I'm sharing here and how it can be helpful and uh, yes and I offer a course an online course and coaching so, yes. And I'm happy also on social media, wherever you find me on Facebook or Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. And your book is available everywhere you can get books yes, uh, yes, online or people can ask in their local uh, independent yes. bookstore. That Go kind of to thing. your local independent bookstore. Yes. They will have it in the computer because it's yes, there. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thank you, Tanya. This has just been lovely. Great to chat with you. And with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found the show helpful and uplifting. You'll find all the backlist episodes and show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com. If you'd like to connect, go to alexandraamore.com forward slash connect. I'll see you next time.